This is an Ion Annapolis bonus podcast. Joining us on the phone today is former chief of Anne Arundel County Police, Tim Altamari. How are you today? I'm doing well, sir. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. And you are now retired for about a month now, a month and three days, I think. That's correct. A month <laughs> and three days. And uh, tomorrow's my birthday. That was a good present. Hey, happy. Happy birthday. Now, tell us a little bit about Thank your you. experience. You started, you said, in the Annapolis City Police Department way back when, and then really you your whole career has been here in Anne Arundel County and most of it with Anne Arundel County Police, correct? That is correct. I did my first five years with Annapolis City. Great people to work with, great police department, um, but it's small, right? So you have all the frustrations of being limited in specialized assignment and in promotion when you, you have a, an agency made up of 100 people. So I had things I wanted to do in my career, and Anne Arundel County offered the opportunity to do that. Um, you know, I've done just about everything I've wanted to do in my career. The only thing I never really got into that I would have liked to do was become a homicide detective. Um, and then, you know, uh, back to the thought of Anne Arundel County gives a lot of opportunities. I got promoted before I could do it. So it but worked out. Not a not a bad deal at all. And you were chief. You were appointed chief back in 2017? 14. December 14th. Okay. Um, by then County Executive Steve Shue. I remember when you were appointed that how happy the rank and file was. I mean, you were lauded as the, the cop's cop who'd spent a career, you know, coming from patrol all the way up to the chief of the department. And, you know, through your tenure here in Anne Arundel County, I mean, you attended many of the protests that were, were happening and that not just right now, but I do want to get into that. But even in the past, I mean, you were always there putting your best foot forward for the Anne Arundel County Police Department. And, you know, to be honest with you, you respected by moving into a little bit now, but the black community, because they spoke incredibly highly of you with your service through the white, the Hispanic, the black, the Asian, and any other community there. In a free society, the, the police are supposed to be the good guys, right? So you do the best you can for everybody. Every human life matters. Um, the quality of life of every person in Anne Arundel County matters and you treat humans like humans and you fight for them no matter what part of society they come from. All those things that humanity uses to chop itself up into small groups just simply don't matter. I, uh, you get service out of us and that's what it's supposed to be and we'll give you respectful service. The tough part about being a cop, I've got to imagine, is that in my general day-to-day -day business, I don't need a cop. Typically, when there's a problem, when I have a problem, I'm having a, you know, whether it be a, uh, you know, a, a criminal problem, my house got broken into, or I was speeding and I got stopped by a cop or whatnot. You guys are coming into less than ideal situations. I'd probably say 90% of the time you're coming into an adverse situation. I agree with that. I think truthfully, John, every time we make a decision by definition, almost somebody's going to be unhappy, right? Because some some part of the equation there wants us to do X and the law requires Y. Well, the person who wanted X is going to be unhappy. Without a doubt. Now, how, as, as a cop, how, how do you struggle? Do you struggle with that? Well, sure you do. It, it's about being humane and human back to it. Most folks understand if you explain to them, they may not be happy with the outcome, but the devil's always in the details. And the thing that I've always told the younger cops as I sat and talked with them was, guys, a smile doesn't cost you anything. And five minutes explaining the whys of why you did what you had to do 
goes a long way in making people satisfied. People need a voice. You know, it's when you don't give them a voice that there's a problem. So as you look around the world, the American police officer is extremely good at listening and giving people a voice. And I think we're getting a bad rap. I think there's a false narrative out there. Um, And it's bad for the whole country. Well, I, I will tell you, I mean, we hear about on the news all the time about, you know, it's cops shooting black people and, you know, get it out of the way right now. Cops shoot white people, too. And no cop ever wants to draw or fire his weapon. And most cops, I believe, have never even done that throughout their career. That's a fair assessment. And I'll add on top of it, it's become a realism in American policing that the first thing the boss asks when he hears about uh, a use of deadly force is, oh, my God, what color was the person that the deadly force was used on? And uh, while I I believe in the sanctity of every human life, I'm not terribly sure that should be the first thing we're asking. Um, and it's an unfortunate truth. Yeah, that you're 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 absolutely right. It, it should not be a question that ever really needs to be addressed. Um, but you know, un- unfortunately, it has happened. I mean, there are honest and there are devastating mistakes that have happened. There has been poor judgment on behalf of the police in, at times, and there are bad cops. I mean, there are bad people working in every industry that you can think of. You know, I mean, one of the things I wonder is when we hear these, you know, this cop on black shootings, what are your thoughts? Do you think this is a case of bad cops, uh, you know, a number of them, or is there possibly some inherent bias in policing in the. Of course there's inherent bias in policing. Every human being has. So that's why, you know, when I took over as chief, we really hit the gas on getting the whole agency trained in implicit bias. We were the first large police department in Maryland to do fair and impartial policing, which is the course that um, the president's task force on 21st century policing uh, recommended that police departments do. Every one of us has to own that bias occurs. It occurs as a part of life. The frustrating part for me is that there's an awful lot of bias coming at the police right now, and nobody's willing to admit they have it. I see that. And when you guys are out on the street, you're seeing the worst of the worst people at the worst time, as we talk about. For the average cop on the street, and uh, you know, I don't want to suggest that you sat behind that big oak desk <laughs> up in Millersville, but for the cop that's actually out there dealing with people, it has to take a toll on them, on their personal life, on their psyche, and everything else. You know, and and any cop that says it doesn't bother them, I got to imagine is probably lying. You know, what can we do? You know, to help that. I mean, is there something that we can? You know, can we? Do a psychological test, do you think? Does that make sense to see whether, hey, are you okay? I mean, that's a question that the cops always ask somebody that they're, you know, that may, are you okay? Overdose, are you okay? What's, does anybody ever ask the cops whether they're okay? Yeah, absolutely. So, A, you're 100% right. Cops are very hesitant to show their soft underbelly um, to the point that we've stopped saying, are you okay? Because the answer is going to be yes. So what we say is, how you feeling, bud? You know what I mean? Because they that requires thoughtful answer when are you OK is going to get I'm OK. You know, you know what I mean? And um, of course, it takes a toll. Look at the suicide rate amongst police officers. Look at the divorce rate amongst police officers. They take all this karmic burden on themselves from society. They take all the problems of society and try to solve them. When they know daggone well, there's no way they're going to solve these societal problems. And we got societal problems around race. I'm I'm 100 percent committed to trying to change that in a positive way. We invested hugely in trying to change that in a positive way the last six years on the Interim County Police Department. I just think if society would look at how complex the job is, we have 
disproportionality in a bad way across almost every facet of American life. How then could we not have disproportionality in the criminal justice system? And how do we blame it on the people least able to fix it? That is a huge psychic burn on cops, man. It really is. They want to help people every day. They're the ones that look at children who've been scorched on a stove on purpose or or look at an elderly person who's been tied to a bed and left in their own bodily uh, functions for months at a time. We're the ones that do those things. We're the ones that put the effort out to get the help. And then society kicks us in the teeth for it. And honestly, John, I've had enough of it, truthfully. I, uh, you know, for six years, I was in a job where it was my job to listen respectfully, to see other viewpoints and to be responsive. Well, now I'm going to tell my truth, the truth uh, for a while. But I will say this. Anne Arundel County has a lot better mechanisms to make sure the cops are supported in a mental health manner. We're light years ahead of a lot of the country. We've got our own peer support team set up. Our mobile crisis crisis intervention teams go in and talk with the cops, look for the clinical signs of of depression and um, over being overwhelmed. Uh, and the systems are really cool. Now, that don't mean we're batting a thousand and we still have cops hurting and we need to get better at it. And as to the psychological testing, every every periodic time, whatever we decided would be good, that you were all about it. We, we believe in it 100 percent. But I got to ask you this. You think Anne Arundel County is going to pay for it? Yeah, that's true. It all, it all, all comes down to money. I was yeah. just checking the uh, apparently they've, the city of Annapolis and Hacka has settled a, a federal lawsuit or they're working on settlement. And I'm like, they're like, oh, this is great. This is great. And some people are like, we'll get money. And people are like, well, no, we want improvements. And I'm like, well, when it money or improvements, it comes down to money and neither organization has it. <laughs> so I don't, That's you know, right. let's, let's it's, see. It's a Gordian knot, but you just made my point. Look at that section of a societal problem, right? Mm -hmm. And then superimpose that on policing and the cops are supposed to fix it. Because yeah. they're the only ones who answer the phone at midnight and 3 a.m. and 4 a.m., right? Yep. So we're supposed to be able to go in there and try to fix that problem and restore a sense of stasis into the community. It just can't happen sometimes, man. And that don't make us bad cops. Well, that's the one thing. I mean, you guys are expected to be, and this sort of jumps into the whole defunding thing, but I mean, you're expected to be long gone are the Barney Fifes with the bullet in his pocket and, you know, the, the cop walking down the beach, swinging the billy club, saying hello to the store owners. Those days are gone. And you're expected to answer that phone call at three o'clock. You're expected to get on the ledge of the Chesapeake Bay Bridge when there's somebody that's distraught trying to, you know, jump off the bridge. You're the one that needs to, you know, comfort a child whose parent died in a car accident. You're the one that needs to, you know, scrape up the remains of somebody that may have been shot or hit by a car or something like this. And those those days are gone. And you you were taking up so many different roles. Uh, you're a social worker. You're a um, you know a hugger. You're a a cop. You're a bad guy. You're a good guy. And a psychologist. Yeah, yeah. You throw it all in, and don't ha nobody has the degree in the psychology. But uh, I imagine some of them do. But on the whole defunding thing, I mean, is I mean, that just seems ludicrous to me. It's the uh, most ridiculous concept I've ever heard in my life. Um, I would use stronger words, but, you know, I got to go find a job. So <laughs> I have to behave myself to some degree. It's the most ridiculous concept I've ever heard in my life. But there's a difference in, in how I say this. 
I believe in funding every one of those programs that the police need to help them do this stuff. Crisis intervention is right. a perfect example of that. How many how many counties out there, cities out there have a viable crisis intervention apparatus set up to help the cops? In Anne Arundel County, they were on the police radio with us. It was a no-brainer. The cops started calling for mobile crisis and crisis intervention. You heard it five, eight, ten times a day because – wow, we can do this in a positive manner, right? So when you talk about defunding, you don't think that stuff's going to get defunded too? Oh, without a doubt. Now, you mentioned crisis intervention a couple of different times. Now, you were the guy that ushered in the wildly successful Safe Stations program under County Executive Steve Shue, and the whole development of the crisis uh, intervention team came under your your guys as well. And that really sets Anne Arundel County apart from many other jurisdictions. I don't know any others in Maryland that have it. And just prior to you leaving... Um, you were up there in Millersville at headquarters surprising these guys because they got an award not for being the best in Maryland, not for being the best in the United States, but being the best in the world. In what and they, they really are. In what they do. They really are. And, and I, I do. I have to correct you on one small thing, John. That stuff started under Kevin Davis. I didn't start it, but I certainly grew it and loved to do it because it helps us immeasurably. I think that this team is a key component of why Anne Arundel County is not Kenosha. They're there. They're to hopefully to offset this. And I mean, you can talk a little bit about the team and how it works. But I mean, from what I gather, when somebody is in crisis, no matter what that crisis may be, it could be a distraught mother because somebody just got shot. It could be somebody having a mental breakdown or drug overdose or whatever it may be. You come in there not loaded with the with the guns and the badges and the 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 caps and the blue lights and the sirens and everything else like that. You come in with somebody that can sit there and talk with you. I mean, yes, there is a an officer there, but he's a little bit more like in a polo shirt. Exactly. Exactly. For that reason, so he looks he or she looks softer, looks more approachable, looks um, like they're there to help. Uh, And I'll tell you, they work miracles, John. They between mobile and crisis intervention. And if you think about it this way, kind of mobile is is the patrol uh, of that profession and CIT's the SWAT team. They wrap around services for people every day that wouldn't get services anywhere else in the country. And I mean, we have people coming from Texas trying to get our services. Give you just an example for people that want to listen to look at this. Remember about a week ago, there was a gentleman on the Bay Bridge that was threatening to threatening to jump and it was about a 26 27 hour I don't want to even call it a standoff but a uh, delay in traffic while this crisis intervention team was up there and that came out really well the gentleman Absolutely. gentleman came down he got you know presumably got the help that he needed and this is what they do i mean they're like the macgyver i guess of the that's 100% <laughs> right they're there to make it a positive experience that helps the person and and uh it's extremely cool stuff no, it really, it, it really is. The Black Lives Movement, and again, I, I think this was a little bit of a, of a catalyst in your retirement here in Anne Arundel County. Um, you know, probably, I, I don't want to say perfect timing because I think it's a loss that we lost you, but I think, you know, the, the perfect timing, you're eligible for retirement. You probably could have gone any other, you know, a year before or whatever it may be. And policing in the last six to eight months has really gotten very difficult, I've got to imagine, um, you are now no longer seen as the the helpers, as Mr. Rogers would say, but the oppressors, these guys that are occupying and, and, and the bad guys and everything else. And I think the movement itself in its purest form has probably been a very long time in coming. And it's not a police thing. 
but we do have a racism issue in this country, and I think everybody can agree that it does need to be fixed. And, and I think that racism has always existed. It's bubbled over recently in years. But some have really perverted the whole Black Lives Movement to the point uh, what they're talking about, the, you know, the defunding police and the – what was the, the crazy safe zone they had in Portland and, or Seattle um, sure. You know, the independent thing and everything else. And, I, and, you know, I've got my own thoughts and I'm not a fan, but, you know, from the perspective of the law enforcement professional, what is the answer to sort of, I don't want to say appease because I don't, you know, I want to make sure that the people of color and the, you know, the Latinos and the, the blacks and the Asians and every, everybody else that's a minority, if you will, feels comfortable with you. I mean, you, you were very clear when County Executive Pittman bounced out the ICE things when it, when he first was elected. And you said, we're not out there arresting you know anybody. We're out there to help people. Yeah, sure. Look, at the end of the day, in 2017, we found out MS-13 held the Latino community in the Annapolis area in, in thrall. I mean, it was, they were, they had set themselves up as a de facto evil government. Um, so you have to build trust with the community if you're going to serve them. And, and part of what made that so tough for the police to, to kind of get in and start helping was the lack of, of comfort with police, right? There, you have folks coming from other parts of the world where the police ain't the good guys all the time. And, you know, particularly El Salvador in the, in the early 90s, police showed up, people disappeared and were never seen again. So you have to get over that first with the Latino community. Um, and then you've got to start building bridges and we did that over time we put so much effort into building bridges we put somewhere in the area of 90 to 100 ms-13 gang members and their rivals and or associates away and i think the community look it ain't perfect i'm not naive enough to think that it got perfect but they're human beings they deserve the best service we can give them and we're there to help them and and grandma and grandpa who are here and have caused no problems have nothing to figure about worrying with the Anne Arundel County Police Department. Now, the MS-13 gang member who's shaking them down, I want him fearful of us all day long. Sure. And, th- and that's such a difficult conversation concept to get through. If you are just here undocumented, I think O'Malley said they're, you know, new citizens or whatever it was when he was running for president and, you know, whatever it may be, illegal, however you want to phrase it. If you're here and you don't have the authority to be here, if you're not breaking the law, the Anne Arundel County Police aren't coming after you. That's 100 percent correct. And I got to tell you, our gang unit, when it started working with Annapolis City and MSP and FBI and Homeland Security investigations, let me tell you something. Our federal partners walked away from plenty of innocent folks who were undocumented, who uh, they could have thrown a net around and they get it. They get that we need to go after the cancer in, in every segment of our society and not the healthy folks who are trying to have a good life. So I was very proud of that. Well, makes sense. Makes sense. Hey, I'm I'm very curious on your thoughts on transparency, which has been a huge term for probably about four or five years now. Um, civilian review boards tend to be embraced by most of the public, um, yet tend to be eschewed by most of the police. And where does the problem lay with a panel like that? I know that you weren't you were willing to consider it and willing to to work to get something like that. And the Cameron County Police do have processes in place that somewhat replicate that, but. You know, what is the main opposition, I guess, to a civilian review board or what's the downside of it? So I'll tell you in a nutshell, my biggest opposition to it. Have you ever rolled around at 3 a.m. in the gutter with somebody trying to kill you, John? Mm, not in the last couple of weeks. So, <laughs> yeah, right? so if you haven't and a cop does what he or she needs to do to stay alive, 
how about we leave it to the people who have to decide whether that cop did it okay? Well, that, ma- that makes that's, sense. That's my point in a nutshell. So was I willing to to work with uh, the county exec to find the happy It's part of my job. At the end of the day, when the county exec gives a lawful, moral, and ethical order, the police chief needs to do it. So I was going to do it and work with it. Now right. You're asking me a question now as the former police chief. I don't support Right. Along those lines, body-worn cameras, good, bad? I'm all about it. All about it. The, the, the body-worn camera programs around the country have reduced internal complaints because I got to tell you, John, people lie on the cops every day. Every day. Yeah. Yep. So when somebody comes in and says X happened and you show them the video that clearly shows why, kind of takes the wind out of the, the sale of those who are lying. And there also is an unblinking eye that shows if an officer screwed up. But I do have to tell you, it's got to be done right. It can't be done haphazardly. For instance, there are cameras out there that are better than the human eye. You're setting your cops up for a loss if you go that way. Do you see what I'm saying? The camera can see better than the cop's eye. The cop is going to lose that equation every time. There's been agencies who have had bathroom footage of their officers given to defense attorneys. Well, we don't want that to happen in Aaron County. You know what I mean? We want to do it right. So supportive of the concept. It costs a lot of money. There was a lot of things that this county did need, still needs. That police department was neglected for 30 years, woefully neglected for 30 years. The last couple county executives have tried. But the bottom line is the voter-imposed tax cap kills you every time you try to do something meaningful with the police, every facet of county government. And it's a big money number. Uh, and I'm glad they were able to figure it out. The cops like the body cameras once they get going. I would think so. What do you? What about civilian cameras? Um, and I know it's a new world every day. And I mean, I tend to jokingly say that, you know, the only place I expect privacy is my bed and my bathroom. Um, but <laughs> With the prevalence of cameras here, I mean, you know, there is, I, I imagine, I've, I saw one where there was a, um, you guys were dealing with the woman up at Denny's up in uh, Hanover. There were several people with cameras, you know, videotaping these police officers. Sure. And it's like, okay, we're just wait, we're waiting for them to make a mistake so we can capture it. I mean, is that is everybody having that's a camera the in their pocket the a good thing or a bad thing? Time. I mean, because that, that's got to keep a cop honest as well. Sure. It's fine as long as you give the cops the space they need to feel safe. You don't go reaching into your pocket to grab your camera at an unopportune time in a tense part of the conversation, and then bad things happen, right? So if a cop says, hey, just give me a little space. I know know it's your right to to record back up five steps for me. You should back up five steps because you're making the cop feel unsafe, and they've got a very dangerous job to do. Um, So, yeah, we're used to it. We train it every day. The cops are told a million times uh, before they ever hit the streets, do everything you do as if it's being recorded, and your mom is going to see it. Right. So that's that, totally good with that. We, we are policing a, the best of three societies in the world, in the history of the world. I do wish people would remember that we're the best of three societies in the history of the world a little more. But, um, yeah, we're good with it. Nobody ever wants to leave a police slash citizen encounter in an ambulance or, you know, God forbid, a medical examiner's van. And I, I keep envisioning. Have you ever seen the Chris Rock video uh, called How to Not Get Your Ass Kicked by the Police? I've seen it. Okay. I mean, to me, I mean, it's, it's funny. It's comedy. I get that. Um, but it really seems pretty reasonable to me. I mean, basically the the gist of it, it was like, listen to what the hell they sell you, you know, but from a police point of view, what advice to the public do you give to make sure 
that at the end of an encounter, the cop leaves with his gun and his taser in his holster, and the citizen continues on their way. Provided this is not a, a bank robber or a murderer or something sure. like that, that you're. What is the best way to get out of a uh, of, of an encounter and make sure that you're safe? And I, I guess that sort of ties in with another question: is that I mean, you hear a lot of African American mothers and fathers saying, you know, they're fearful just for their kids to go to the mall or to McDonald's. And you know, as a fat old white guy, I've got three kids, and I have never worried about that. You know, an issue with the police in in going there. But how do you? How do you sort of appease the community from something like that? Two-part question. I'll answer the first part as best I can. The bottom line is when a cop's interacting with a citizen, hidden hands kill cops, right? So first off, be natural, be comfortable. The cop is not showing up to shoot you unless you have hostages and you're about to hurt them or you're an active shooter. Those are the two things where we're coming in with a very singular purpose. Slow movement compliance with orders there are a hundred avenues of redress if you think you were done wrong by a police officer out there and i'm going to tell you people have cast aspersions about the interrono county police department covering stuff up it's absolutely false we hold our own accountable very well um we hold a mirror up to ourselves so use those forms of redress but in the moment at midnight when it's dark outside Cooperate with the police officer, and then you can get all your questions answered after the lawful business of whatever's happening is taken care of. And then to the second point, you know, we work very hard to be responsive to the community. We go to community meetings everywhere and every every time we're invited. We show up and we do positive things with kids in the community. We started our youth activities program specifically for that. If you look at the last 20 years and the system of CompStat, which if you've heard of basically is cops on dots, computer generated statistics, tell us where to put the cops that forgot that people are human and you can't just be about putting cops on dots. You have to be about being human. So we brought youth activities back. We brought police and community together units back when something high stress or high likelihood of conflict did happen. Those units go in and do interact with people to to make it feel more comfortable. Uh, and every human life matters as much as every other human life to us. And you have to live that. You have to put your money where your mouth is. Um, and we did that and do that. Uh, or the Anne Arundel County Police Department does that very well. And that's part of the frustration with being lumped in with places that do it. It isn't right to stereotype any group of human beings based upon the actions of a few, but it seems to have become very acceptable to do to police officers in this country the last six months. And it's wrong and it's counterproductive and it's going to hurt this country. I agree with you a hundred percent. I know when it was sort of funny, my son, I taught him that lesson. I said that, you know, that at the time of the traffic stop or whatever, the interaction is never the time to get a resolution. There's plenty of time to figure this out later, whether it be, let me call and let's plead, let's go to court, let's whatever it may be. Let's call the sergeant at the station when you get home. You could ask for a sergeant to come to the scene politely and respectfully. The officers are required to call their supervisor if somebody asks for a supervisor. So that's a real simple one, right? Well, well, it was funny. He was uh, back when he was probably 17 or so. He was in the mall, in, in the Annapolis Mall, and he being cheap that he is, he wanted to get a soda out of the machine as opposed to paying the movie theater prices for sodas. And he and a bunch of buddies, like deer, just jumped through Santa's workshop to go to the soda machine up on the second floor or whatever it was. And I mean, they just passed right through. And the mall security got him and brought him up. And 
they called me and stuff like that. And he's on the phone with me going, but dad, it's a mall cop. It's a mall. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, dude, just leave the mall. And, and, and he's like, yeah, but and he's on this whole thing. It's a mall. I said, right now is not the time to deal with it. I said, he may be a mall cop, um, which may be an off duty real cop, but that's beside the point. But I mean, he may be a mall cop to you, but he's got a telephone that goes to a real cop that really doesn't <laughs> want to deal with you. Okay, so what he's going to do is he's just going to put you in the back of the car, take you up there and let somebody that's pushing paperwork in the station figure out how to get you home because you were being a jackass jumping across Santa's workshop. Skip the movie, go home. And he ultimately did. But I mean, I, I, you know, it wasn't the time to sit there and fight with the guy that has some authority over you. Yeah, Americans are uniquely anti-authoritarian. Yeah, and, and, and the one thing that you did mention, which I have taken to heart, and again, you know, being the, the fat old white guy, the fast moves and everything else. I have a habit of doing some California stops on two stop signs in Annapolis, and it's just a mental block for me. And I've been pulled over a couple times. And the first thing I do now, and, and I consciously do this, is I, I turn on my light, I roll down my windows. And, and then that's you know, a good start. That and, is a perfect start to a car stop. And then, and then I'm like, you know, he, he comes up and uh, you know, know why I'm stopping, you know, the stupid question. You know why I'm stopping you? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> I said, okay, and I'm, go- I'm, go- I'm going to reach into my center thing and get you, get you my registration, you know, my little glove box there. And, I mean, I'm telling him what I'm going to be doing, okay? So, I mean, I've got the, the doors open, the lights or the windows down, the lights on and everything else. So, hopefully, I'm making that cop feel a little safer. If it's on the side of a road, I always try to pull off as far as I can. You know, so his ass is not hanging in moving traffic. All those things are are exactly what we appreciate. And I've always gotten warnings, so that's a that's why I'm going <laughs> to chalk it up to that. But you know, again, I think that you know the time to adjudicate any kind of interaction with police is not at the time of the incident. And there are going to be mistakes made. I mean, they, uh, you know, did you? Well, the cops are human beings. Of yep. course, we're going to make mistakes. You know, did you... If somebody, if somebody is arrested who shouldn't have been arrested. The cops should move heaven and earth to fix it. And I've seen us do it. It's not an everyday occurrence for us, but I've seen us do it more times than I could probably count. Yeah, you realize it's a bad a bad call and, and whatnot. And, and I've done a couple of ride-ons with you guys. And I will say that um, I was up in Northern and it was – you guys are very – you're very pro, uh, you know, pro people. I know there was one that they were arresting and I don't know exactly what it was, but we rolled up to some guy's house and he had had to be arrested for whatever it may have been. And he was like, hey, man, can I have, you know, just like five minutes to say goodbye to my girlfriend? And the cop was like, yeah, I'm in your driveway. I'm blocking your car. Fine. You know, so then she came, yeah. you know, woke her up. She came to the front door, was like, what's going on? And he's like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going in or whatever. And they sat there. They, you know, they sucked face for about five minutes in the doorway. <laughs> and, you know, then he just sort of stood there. The officer got out of the car, went and got him and put him back in. And I was absolutely surprised, actually, that Anne Arundel County does not have very many cage cars. Uh, when you are typically arrested, unless they would say, you know, severe or violent crime, you're, you know, if you're drunk. That's true. The folks sit up front next to us most which, of the time. Which is, you know, again, a, a comforting type of type of a situation that, you know, hey, OK, I'm not in this boxed cage type of a thing. Uh, somebody that's a violent criminal is a different story. And and, and I get that. Um, but you got you guys have been very good. My daughter, uh, I'm telling all my family stories, but my daughter was at an underage drinking party one time in Edgewater. And again, the, the cops rolled in there and they were like, OK, hey, let's call your parents. And she called from my cell phone. I somewhat disagreed with that. They should have probably called from the police station just to give her a little bit of a uh, Garrett straight thing. But, but John, you you wouldn't believe how many parents disagree with you on that, right? 
Oh, I'm absolutely sure. And, uh, you know, but it was, it was handled very well. It was like, hey, you know, this is this is wrong. Here it is. Okay, you're going to, you know, if you're underage, you're going to get a parent to come here and get you. If you're of age, um, you're going to have somebody come and get you. It may not necessarily be your parent, but, yeah. and, um, you know, we're, we're going to stop this because it's illegal. People like to box cops, I feel, into this, you're the bad guy. And it's getting progressively, progressively worse. And I think, you know, I've got to think that that probably led to your retirement uh, sort of weighed into it. And it was, uh, was, was policing no longer fun for you? Was it no longer? And and I think that's, that's huge. I mean, you've got to love what you do. A hundred percent. You know, the only fun that I got was when I got to get out there with the guys and girls uh, and do the job, which wasn't as often as I liked. So sure. Look, uh, you've heard me say here today that the narrative about the police is false in this country. There's problems in this country and there's problems around race. But the police didn't create those problems. The police certainly were used to oppress people in our national history. But the police departments that I've worked with try so hard to leave that horrible history as history, not to forget about it, to learn from it. We go to the National Museum of African-American History for that exact reason, to learn about it so it doesn't happen again. We go to the Holocaust Museum for that exact reason. Keep it in mind. But be better than that. And nobody's willing to give us credit for it. So, of course, it's part of why I left. I, I didn't leave because I was happy. I was I was gagged, as every police chief is. Um, police officers check their First Amendment rights at the door in large measure. Uh, and I couldn't be silent about it anymore. And I, I, I've got to tell you that some of the folks who want to hate on police were trying to bully me a little bit. And I wasn't having it. And I don't want to talk anymore about that. Fantastic. Well, I'll tell you, as as we wrap it up, Chief, I want to say on a, on a personal level and from what I imagine is from most of the residents of Anne Arundel County, um, we do miss you. We want to thank you for your time uh, with your 20 years that you put into the Anne Arundel County. Uh, 22, 27 total. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you short. I'm old I am. <laughs> um, I'm old. Yeah, yeah, aren't we all? But, um, y- you know, it's you've, you've made such a difference in your tenure here. And, uh, you know, there's big, big shoes to fill. And, you know, I certainly hope that, as probably you do, that the tide will turn and police can get back into being, you know, the friends of the community as opposed to the the bad guys. We'll never stop doing it. I promise you this, whether I'm there or not, the Anne Arundel County Police Department will continue to do it right and invest in community. They are generally a bunch of really good guys. They really are. I got, you know, I, I know several of them and... Uh, you don't have a lot of turnover there either as well. I mean, retirements, yes, turnover. You don't have a lot of people leaving there. So that also speaks well for the department. And if anybody wants to follow you, it's Chief Alto underscore R-E-T for retired. You know, Chief Alto Mari, thank you very much for your time today. Good luck in the retirement. I hope you catch big fish. I hope you get that hole in one or whatever the hell it is you're doing. When, when you're- thank you. I appreciate it greatly. Thanks for having me on. Okay. This has been a bonus podcast from Eye on Annapolis. Please visit us at ionanapolis.net. Follow us on Facebook at All Annapolis and on Twitter at Ionanapolis. And if you haven't subscribed to the Daily News Brief podcast, go for it. And all of your local news will be delivered to your phone, tablet, or smart device by 6 a.m. every Monday through Friday.